Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In book 19 of The City of God, St. Augustine is going to discuss the virtues. And he's taking, as he does so often in his work, some of the perspectives and viewpoints of certain of his pagan predecessors, and he's placing them into a larger Christian theological and thereby also metaphysical framework. In this case, we're dealing with the issue of what is the supreme good for human beings? What does genuine happiness consist in? So we're also dealing with what we could call an issue in moral philosophy. And although Augustine thinks that the virtues are indeed extremely important and we should cultivate the virtues, they're not enough. They don't get us to happiness itself. They don't comprise happiness. And when he's saying this, he is specifically targeting, as he's going to in the work, one school of philosophy, the Stoics, who had held that virtue and happiness and living in accordance with nature are pretty much all the same thing. Now, one can quibble about that, but we're going to put that aside for the moment because that was a common read of the Stoics, both in Augustine's time and in the time of the Stoics and much later. The idea was that simply by possessing the virtues to the full extent that one could, and what virtues do they mean? That what we call the four cardinal virtues, temperance, prudence or practical wisdom, justice and courage or fortitude, by possessing these, a human being would thereby be enabled to be happy, as happy as a human being can be in this life, that is superlatively happy, superlatively eudaimon in the Greek, right? And Augustine is going to contest this. Now, Again, I want to point out that he's not denigrating the virtues. He's not saying that they don't matter. He does say virtue, in fact, has the highest place among human goods. So it's better than pleasure. It's better than freedom from pain. It's better from the first principles or things or impulses of nature. It's better than authority. It's better than riches. It's better than all these other goods. Insofar as he's saying that, he is in agreement with the Aristotelians and the Platonists and the Stoics with so many other schools of philosophy. So then how is he different? Well, Augustine thinks that the highest, the supreme good for us, human beings doesn't lie in virtue, but it's something that we attain to through virtue. And it's something that lies outside of this earthly human existence, although it also pervades that existence and guides us within it. What is that supreme good? Well, you can call it God. You can call it blessedness with God. You can call it eternal life. You can also call it eternal peace. All of these are connected with each other. And the the idea is that by developing the virtues and living in accordance with them, developing what Augustine at other points is going to call moral rectitude or rightness, we then are enabled to 
have this relationship with God that exceeds the visible temporal existence that we're in right now, the world, and we become part of a larger commonwealth or city, the city of God, which includes the blessed in heaven who truly enjoy happiness. So the virtues aren't nothing, but they're not entirely the best. So they're not the supreme good itself. And one of the arguments that Augustine makes in this section that we're going to unpack now a little bit more is that the virtues in this earthly existence for us have to wage war upon the vices. And they don't wage war on the vices merely in an external way so that I, as the virtuous individual, have to fight against the vices that are going to come and get me or the vices of other people. Augustine says, well, there is some of that. But even more important is the fact that my virtues are fighting a war with the vices within me. I am the battleground. I am the one who has to choose to be virtuous over and over and over again when certain parts of myself would rather be vicious, would rather be the opposite of the vices. And he goes through each of the cardinal virtues, some at greater length than others, and examines this. So let's take temperance to begin with. In Greek, sophrosune, as he brings up, right? Augustine brings up this famous passage from St. Paul that says that the flesh lusts against the spirit. And what do we mean by that? We mean that our body, our bodily flesh, wants us to do things that the spirit or the mind or whatever is higher would say, no, no, that's too much. So when it comes, for example, to drinking and eating or engaging in intoxicants, right? Or sexual desire, or even just like laying around and soaking up the sunlight or staying under the covers when it's nice and warm under them and cold outside, any of these sorts of things, we have a tendency to allow what he's called the flesh in Greek, the sarks, right? The, to go against the spirit. And he says that these two are contrary to uh, one the other. So you can't do the two things that you would. And if we want to attain the higher good, we have to subordinate our flesh, our bodies, our desires, and their, their lust for pleasure. We have to subordinate that to something higher, which is the spirit. And the spirit is what allows us to participate in an existence with the divine. So we're in this perpetual battle, at least, if, if you don't want to call it a war, of trying to make sure that we're not doing the wrong things with our bodies because we do, in fact, desire to do those things. So even if we are temperate, we're still struggling. He goes on and he says, well, what about... Prudence, or if you want to translate it another way, practical wisdom. This is a very important virtue. In fact, within the Platonic and Stoic traditions, this is really the virtue that governs the others. Even in the Aristotelian tradition, you cannot be fully virtuous in the sense of having the other virtues developed without exercising prudence. And Augustine says prudence is really good. However, if you think about the function of prudence in this lifetime, it's constantly occupied. It has to exercise vigilance, as he says. It has to be on guard by discerning, by distinguishing good from evil, because we need to pursue the good and we need to avoid or prevent or eliminate the evil. 
And we can't do that unless we actually have prudence because there are so many times where we are likely to mix those two up. Now, why in fact do we need to distinguish between good and evil? Well, because we're screwed up and we are likely to have problems in figuring this out. He says, we want to avoid any mistakes about what we should desire and what we should avoid. Prudence teaches us it's an evil to consent to sin. It's a good to refuse this consent. But this evil isn't removed by temperance or prudence. It just helps us out. Then he says, what about justice? The virtue that allows us to give each person what they are owed, what is their due, what we ought to give them. Well, justice is great. It's not that we shouldn't have justice, but let's not deceive ourselves about just what justice can accomplish. He says that it's working towards the end of proper order. And we'll talk about that proper order in just a second. It's not resting in it. Even if we are just, we're still having to make sure that we actually do the right thing. Situation to situation. My having made a choice to do the right thing a week ago does not actually make me do the right thing right now. I have to continually exercise that virtue of justice against my own tendencies to be unjust. What is the proper ordering? Augustine says that God is above and then the spirit and the flesh. The flesh should be subordinated to the spirit and the spirit should be subordinated to God. And without that proper ordering, we don't have justice. This is not something that you can snap your fingers and have done once and for all. There's no pill to take. Even divine grace flowing into you doesn't automatically transform you into a being who will always be just in every circumstance. You have to work at it. And so our virtues are requiring us to continually exercise them against vices that threaten us from within. Finally, he talks very briefly about courage or fortitude. And he says that, what do we have to say about this? Well, he says it's the plainest proof of the ills of this life because it's those ills, those evil things that we're compelled to endure patiently. And you might say, well, that doesn't sound like courage to me, but this is one way in which courage or fortitude is understood, enduring the things that we find scary, that we find painful, and doing what we need to do despite that. All of these virtues are supposed to work together. All of them are things that we're supposed to cultivate. All of them are steps, you might say, on the path towards the divine, but none of them for Augustine are the supreme good. They are just something that helps us towards the supreme good, or you might say that the supreme good wants us to have so that we can enjoy the supreme good. And this is the argument that he provides here in book 19, taking us in some respect beyond the perspectives of ancient philosophy into Christian theology. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.